0: Love me don't, don't rob me of my hate. It's all I have
1: hey everybody welcome back to the underrated podcast. this is a podcast where we talk about films that are underrated underappreciated and ones that have just slipped under the radar and passed most people by. We are the undercast company including me, Derek McDuff, along with my co-host, Ariel Ortiz. Hello. And Alan Torres.
2: Hey, everybody. How's it going?
1: And we are joined today by our first returning guest, an old friend of mine from college and uh, podcaster extraordinaire, JPG. How's it going, man?
3: How we doing? Thanks again for having me.
1: Thank you for coming on. Uh, So, so yeah, why don't you real fast tell the people about yourself and uh, what you do.
3: Sure. Uh, so I'm JPG. I am a podcaster, public speaker, and RPG, uh, I guess like actor enthusiast. <laughs> I, I should probably just read what's on my bio at this point, but yeah, uh, anything that you can think of in the pop culture nerd space, uh, I'm probably talking about and working in. Uh, so yeah, and thank you for mentioning that, uh, that we are old college friends because that makes me look younger. <laughs> so thank you for that, Derek. I really appreciate it. Yeah,
1: that. it makes us look both a little bit younger.
4: I hope <laughs> Yeah, I was just looking at a menu uh, memory from Facebook and it's like my from my second year of, of college, but it's still like twelve years ago and I'm like, oh shit. We'll
0: tell anybody when we <laughs> graduated in right yeah. now. Yeah, we're not gonna, yeah. we're, not gonna <laughs> yeah. we're
3: not gonna talk about that at this point. Yeah. Good thing we're here to talk about underrated films.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And today's underrated film was uh, JPG's pick which is the 2002 version of The Count of Monte Cristo, which is, of course, based on the 1844 novel by Alexandre Dumas, uh, starring Guy Pearce, uh, Jim Caviezel, Richard Harris, and a number of great character actors, uh, such as Luis Guzman, who I think is kind of the low-key MVP of this movie, Um, but yeah, this is a movie that was always big for me in my childhood. I was kind of the right age for it when it came out. Um, but, uh, JPG, since you picked this movie, why don't you give us a little bit of an intro to it and tell us why you like it so much?
3: Oh God. Okay. Um, I think this is one of the, the, uh, I think this is one of like the novels that has been like made and remade and reshot and repurposed the most. Like, one of the most, definitely. Because I was looking at uh, all of the uh, uh, different um, like remakes of it as well, too. Like, Gerard Depardieu like, plays the Count of Monte Cristo at one point. And, like, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Count of Monte Cristo, uh, probably one of the... I guess, like, one of the most popular, like, vengeance or revenge stories uh, that most people are uh, introduced to. Uh, especially at a younger age, I know that I read this during my teens, and I w- this was actually assigned to me in high school, uh, mm-hmm. so that's when I was first exposed to this as well. Uh, but yeah, and I, Wish I
4: don't expose me.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I just <laughs> I just feel like I need to apologize to you all in advance for picking this film.
4: Oh no, no, definitely. No, don't. I dug don't. it. Was. No, if anything, no. somebody
2: should, should apologize to you for for assigning that. Giant brick of a book in high school, like, I, like I, I I love big books like that. But in high school, I was like, yeah. no, I'll I'll do Beowulf because it's like fifty pages. So, oh, like, I'm not gonna do a, a thousand big old page books. So oh yeah, you should be getting the, apo- the apology. But sorry, continue. So, a great
3: revenge story. Now, in the film itself, um, it follows uh, Edward da- uh, Edmond Dantes. Uh, Yeah, yeah, uh, played by Jim Caviezel. Uh, And um, as his life is just looking up, uh, it gets turned upside down by uh, friends and coworkers and compatriots. Uh, And then it then turns into probably one of my most favorite revenge stories in all of pop culture.
4: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's definitely an inspire. And I've while watching it this time, it's definitely the story itself is such an inspiration to other stories to come in po- in even pop culture. I mean, like the whole him showing up and creating this character of the Count of Monte Cristo is like a definitely an inspiration was an inspiration to F. Scott Fitzgerald for writing The Great Gatsby, and having that character as this like out. Rageous kind of like um you know person that that has a past that's connected to this woman and and things like that but then there's also um other instances where i was like uh oh my goodness like that's like straight out of out of this movie or like that that's like gets inspiration from that and you know even like you know shawshake redemption kind of has that that moment of like you mm-hmm. know digging digging out uh, to get your film <laughs> mm-hmm. And 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 yeah, I mean it's just like it it's along with with this and then, and of course William Shakespeare's stories and and then other like uh, you know, I don't want to say ancient but really old um stories, European stories like they just it just shows like how much of a influence that they have on t- even the storytelling of today and um and yeah, this this version of Count of Monte Cristo is like You know, God tier of all the versions. You know, even sorry, Wishbone. Mm -hmm. But yeah, (laughs) that's the first time. Yeah, that was the first time I ever heard of the story.
3: Ariel, I feel like you—that is not the first time you've said sorry, Wishbone, on the show.
4: (laughs) Um, No, it is. It is the first time. (laughs) But no, like truthfully, if you—I mean, if you have children out there, show them Wishbone. It's such a great. Um, showing of to get your kids to to enjoy literature itself. And um but yeah. I digress from that. Um the performances on this are so good and like Jim Kizel just like I know, you know, him playing Jesus and stuff like that. He's really good really good at having this innocence of him. And so it was it's he plays this character so well from like starting from being just this innocent person who who very much um, he doesn't think anybody will do bad on him, even Napoleon Bonaparte. You know who, like you should not have trust Napoleon Bonaparte. Um, but then turning I'm trusting
1: turn, Napoleon.
4: Yeah, don't trust Napoleon. Um, I mean in any in any iteration of of Napoleon, like from Napoleon Bonaparte yourself to Napoleon the pig in in an animal Animal Farm, you don't mm-hmm. trust he Napoleon. He got
1: Bill and Ted into trouble too. <laughs>
4: Oh yeah, exactly. You don't trust Nap- uh, uh, Napoleon. Um but yeah, so so but then also, then eventually becoming and and transforming into this very jaded person who does not have any trust for most people, you know. I it, the only people he trusts are essentially ones that he's either like, you know, tried to kill or or <laughs> like like Jacopo or, you know, or the the ones that try to kill him like the the other pirates. And um he he knocks it out of the park, and then of course Guy Pearce does what Guy Pearce loves or is great at, which is playing a bad guy that you just like from the start, just hate, and is such a sleazy scumbag. Um, <laughs> so so yeah, like, and then yeah, it was very cool. Like I I did I've had forgotten that that O G Dumbledore was in this, so like having him mm-hmm. as the mentor character and like. And I, I was kinda like worried about him like crawling in the tunnels. I'm like, this man's already old and stuff. Um but yeah, definitely definitely and oh yeah. And then baby baby um Henry you know, um the wee man Henry,
0: Henry King, Cavill. Carvel
4: Cavill, yeah. Hey guys, it's me, Henry Cav. Oh. Yeah. And then there is a moment, you know, because like he like tries to at, in the final like um fight, you My know, man. what in in the outside exterior part, like, um, you know, he tries to go in, and then Jacopo pulls him out. But like for a split section second, I was like, "No, let him go. He's Superman." Kind of thing. Like, <laughs> but then, <laughs> but then I remembered, oh, this is you know, this man does not have the muscles yet. Um, he's not. He's got to get him, his ass know?
1: kicked by Daredevil yeah. in uh, in Stardust
3: before he.
4: Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh-huh. Yeah,
3: strong, he has strong references. <laughs> <laughs>
4: It has not had a coin tossed to him, <laughs> so. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah how 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 dare that child grow up into that piece of man, yeah. right? Oh like just
0: like I. I, I Who knows I how just, to build a PC? I, Who knows yeah, right. Like
3: PC. I I I look at baby photos and like I'm like oh that's just me, and like now it's like me but thirty some years later. You know, like there's no, there, it's just like a gradient, right? Like he just got to look like that, right?
4: <laughs> no, it it takes work that he has yeah. time for. Like that's why, like if you could, if um, you know, Camille and Johnny put it correctly, like I'm people paid for me to, to come out this way and stuff, like. That. But yeah, great L- movie. Anthony Michael Hall, glove. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anthony Michael Hall, that's your that's your example.
1: Look at him in the eighties and look at him. Like Halloween Kills is like what happened to this human being?
4: Oh that's a oh, glow
2: Yeah, out. I was gonna gonna say, well, glow yeah, that was a that was a yeah. downgrade. Yeah. He's like yeah, a Rick said... Waldo
1: now, I'm saying. <laughs>
2: oh. I was gonna Rick. say in Halloween Kills, he didn't look like he was very uh Henry Cavillish at all. He was just oh, yeah. in the mood to freak people out in a bar on Halloween night for some reason. With a
4: bat. Yeah. Evil and, yeah, okay. and, and continually say evil dies tonight. Yeah,
2: yeah. He oh, wanted to yeah. done. Don't even get start yeah. on that movie.
4: Yeah. <laughs> but... Okay. But anyway, incredible movie in my opinion, and really don't understand why it never got gate. Like it is one of those movies that everybody remembers and knows, but it does not get the acknowledgement that it should. Definitely. In my yeah. Opinion. It's
1: it's definitely one of those movies that like it did. Okay, financially, like, it's got, like, pretty good score, critically. I think it's, like, it about doubled its budget. It's got, like, a 70-something around to me. So it, like, did fine, and then just kind of, like, people knew it, and then it just kind of vanished, you know?
2: hmm I remember seeing the, the, uh, the cover at, like, all the time. Ever You know, I'd go to a video store when it came out, and I never even knew what it was. Like, I, even till now, like, I, all I knew was, I was, like, it's a big book. It's like a revenge story, and that was it. And I went in blind with this, and I loved it. I thought it was so good. Um, you know, see, it was cool also to see like you know, the two most powerful superheroes, you know, Superman and Jesus Christ next to each other. So that was really <laughs> cool. Uh, but that, that the, the, I'm not gonna lie though, me and my girlfriend like yelled at the, at the TV when like because we again, we both had no idea about anything of it. Just baby Are Henry Cavill watching the, the
1: original Mandarin, right?
2: I'm Mandarin. Mandarin.
1: Oh yeah, that's true.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but no, like Sorry, we were on. like, oh my god, it's the baby! Look, it's baby Superman! Like we yelled at the screen. So, but um, yeah, no, it was, it was a blast, man. I I loved it. The acting was great. Um, the story like immediately grabbed me. I was like, all right. And then just like Ariel was saying, saying like, there's all these like, you can see where it's like influenced all these other stories. And I was like, I was doing the same thing. I was like, oh, they reminded me of that, or that reminded me of that. Um, but yeah, and and I just, oh, I, I sometimes too, I can't give up like a, a good revenge story. Like sometimes I'm like, yeah, dude, get it. I just get everything <laughs> you deserve, please. Like, so, and I love that he was milking it. But sorry, go ahead.
3: <laughs> you guys hit on a couple things that I wanted to talk a little bit about, and and, and number one is the pre-Star Wars problem, right? Uh, I, I've talked about this a lot on the, on a few different shows but it's the idea that because you saw it in Star Wars it when you see it somewhere else you're like oh I saw that in Star Wars until you realize that they did it before Star Wars and Star mm-hmm. wars borrowed from them but now in turn it's so intrinsically connected to what you like how you watch Star wars and how you feel about it you can't Help, but to feel like oh well, Star Wars did it, whatever. But they didn't really. It was them, right? Uh, the biggest,
4: so, the biggest, like recent example of that that surprised me was Dune. Like, because yes! Dune came before Carter, Star Wars.
3: Say,
4: yeah. yeah, John Carter, yeah.
3: another one. Mm-hmm. But, which, yeah, but
4: like ugh. Dune came before Star Wars, and then and they even use like now. Now it's it's a more prevalent in the actually the Boba Fett um, show with the spice and. Literally using the same word of Spice and Dune people or, like, the Tuscan Raiders and stuff like that. I'm like, I just watched this, like, as a fantastic movie, like, a few months ago and stuff. But, but yeah, go on. Yeah.
2: it's mm-hmm. Funny enough, too, just one quick thing. Star Wars actually, st- I don't want to say stole, but they borrowed again, even in this most recent episode of Book of Boba. Uh, spoilers for anybody out there. Um, the whole Night of a Thousand Tears scene, like, after... You know the the whole you know the, them taking down Mandalore, straight out of Terminator,
0: oh, right yeah. out of Terminator, yeah. and I yeah. was just
2: like, "That's cool!" Like, like they're they're doing that. But yeah, with this movie, th- that's the same thing. I kind of like to be like, "All right, this movie, this book came out a very long time ago, so it, it's really cool." Like, kind of going, it's it's super cool that you see it influencing things that you're so used to now. Like, j- just like you said with the Star Wars thing, where people are like, "Oh yeah, you know that was a Star Wars," or that, this was in this." I'm like, "Well." You gotta look into it a little bit more too. You gotta give a little love to where it originally came from.
3: I think the second part of this too is uh, I usually like to surprise uh, guests whenever whenever I uh, sorry I usually like to surprise um, the people that I'm on the show with as a guest. And um, I wanted to let you guys know because I knew we were going to be talking about this film. I actually reread the whole book. Oh, wow. Are you serious? Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. So, I did
1: had a spare three years before
3: the pod thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's very 15 years. Yeah, we've been planning this for a while. We've been planning this pre-Star Wars. So, and <laughs> 4. So, um, one thing that I always like to do is like, okay... Are there certain parts of the film that you absolutely loved? And let me see if I can ruin it for you. <laughs> right? Because it's so different
4: from the book, or exactly, or yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think because you,
3: you know, have... there's a lot of like a, um, there's going to be a lot of a, a, like Hollywood influence, right? Mm-hmm. So I can pinpoint all of the Hollywood influence stuff if you guys would like. But well, mostly, this is to ruin it for everybody.
4: Well, I mean clearly clearly he doesn't pull a great Gatsby. I think I think he he essentially just shows up and like it takes longer for him to build up his empire. I think it goes more into detail with how he builds up this empire. I'm I'm sure it's not like he yeah, shows up overnight. This I think it was like maybe like I think it, it calculated like 3 years since he fu- found the gold or roughly that, maybe two. Since he found the gold. And that he she came on the scene. Essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And I think. I'm trying to. Because I'm pretty sure the wishbone version. Was a little bit more um, accurate. Accurate. From, yeah. 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 <laughs> I think there's a different. I know he does escape the re- same way. Of, of being thrown off. In, in the body bag. Um, but I think. How he f- learns to fight. Is different. I think. I don't know.
1: Well, one thing that i ruined kind of for myself was i remember when i watched it originally like because i was really into this movie as a kid i would just like when i had the dvds i would just watch them and like watch all the bonus features and stuff and the one thing that like never sat right with me even as a 12 year old i was like that's not good writing was the fact that um henry cavill was jim caviezel's son and i was like that's too neat that's too clean and then i was like watching some dvd bonus feature and the director's like the only problem with the book is that it's not his son i'm like that was it, that was great why did you change that like that was the thing that i ruined for myself by watching like the dvd bonus features cuz i feel like that just makes it like too nice and easy it's like oh we're all a happy family now at the end mm-hmm. and if it's like it was like oh yeah like this is your dad so i don't know like how like this dynamic between you know him and then you know Mercedes' son played out because when she's like, "Don't kill him, he's actually your son." I'm like, well, either way, Mercedes would not want her son to get murdered. Like, mm-hmm. I was just curious how that whole interaction played out in the book.
3: Well, uh, first and foremost, the fighting. Um, it is implied that um, that the priest in the jail does teach him fighting, <laughs> but the way that he. Get, like he doesn't outright murder anybody in the books. Like he's not he's not out here like dueling or whatever or anything like that. No, he gets a lot of them to just kill themselves after oh, yeah. all of the misfortune that he gives them as well. So mm-hmm. that was pretty impressive on that one. Uh, and then the other one with playing out. Okay, so the way that he gets to count. Uh, to count. What Mon- oh, is it? Count Mondego. Right. Yeah. Count yeah. Yeah, so yeah. he gets he gets a Count Mondego through... Um, he gets a Count Mondego in the film through his son, right? Albert, right? But in the book, it's... <laughs> he, like, buys an island, tricks one of Albert's friends to stop there. They become friends. Then the friend tells Albert about him. Then they all start hanging out. And now, like, these two very young boys are hanging out with this, like, rich, eccentric... Cajillionaire on his private island, mm-hmm. which like doesn't sit well with me like now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh but yeah, he like tricks he like has this whole plan where he like tricks the son's friend, so now the son's friend is his friend, now the son is his friend, and that's how he gets Samondago in the first place as well. So it's even more convoluted and 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 uh uh and complicated in the in the book itself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, this is one of those movies where you're like, you can tell that there's this is like a tome of a book and like to put it into like a two and an hour and 10 minute movie, you're gonna need to like make some edits. And that's why I think that if this had come out like today in like, you know, the 2020s, this would be an absolutely be a Netflix series. This would be like a prestige. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like, oh, yeah. like, we've got Guy Pearce and all these great actors that like do it like, you know, doing all these roles, and it would be like 10 parts on Netflix. And yeah, I which think...
4: it still should be like it
0: would. Yeah, be awesome. yeah. yeah. I, I would.
1: I would love to see that honestly. But I think. That, yeah. Yeah. This is there is a lot of story here to the point where I really do feel like this is honestly two movies. Really, like I feel like the first half is mm-hmm. just kind of this like, um, like prison escape, like Shawshank Redemption esque story where he's like kind of learning all these skills and doing this thing, and then it has kind of like a great climax where he gets out in this. You know, you're know, you building up to, oh, he's going to dig out, and then it's like, oh, this clever thing where he just like gets out with um, them tossing him off, and I thought that was a really cool twist. And the second half just switches gears, and it's not exactly a genre shift, but it is, I think, a big shift in the storytelling where it's like, okay, now the second half, there's like a little interlude where it becomes like a treasure hunt, and it becomes like national treasure for like 10 minutes, and it just mm-hmm. goes into like the second half of the movie, which is like full-on revenge story, and I really, I really dug that, how it was kind of just like, These two very separate stories that were connected, but each felt like its own thing where it's like, oh yeah, Richard Harris, who is like arguably the third lead, you know, dies halfway through. And then a lot of the characters Mm -hmm. that are only in the beginning don't show up again until the second half of the movie.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I would just want to like make a note of how incredible, like just the speech that, that, um, Jim Cavazal gives like once they find the 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 treasure and stuff and he's like his kind of like subtle speech of revenge just like gives you chills I, it's so simple like it's very short but it's just like the way that he delivers it is just so much of like oh my goodness like this man's gonna like make people is gonna like burn the world kind of thing like he's just ready for that and stuff and it's 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 like just a testament to like yeah how how great you know Jim Cavazel is in this, um, and that you you from the beginning like and especially at that point you are like you're ready to take that revenge with him or in a way you know go on that that journey of revenge with him and like like Alan said like yeah yeah you go you go you destroy hey, you know kind of thing yeah. Week
2: uh, there's one thing I wanted to ask, because um, mm. c- you're saying, you're, you know, ruining, you're going to ruin something. So you're telling me there's no Jack Russell Terrier in the book. Because <laughs> that would break my heart. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. I'm so sorry, Alan. I'm so
3: sorry. <laughs> well, okay. Um. <laughs> what are some, what are some messed up things that I can tell you about the book? Okay. Well, uh Okay. So so Derek, you'll be happy to know that Albert is actually not uh uh Edmond uh Edmond's son in the book itself. Good. He's definitely Count Mondego's son. Um what else? Uh like there are like three or four more people he has to like get revenge on, and there's like one or two more people throughout the book that he's like, oh wait, no, you are a bad person. I should get revenge on you too. And like <laughs> and, and so Adam's it's like it. Yeah, so like you have you have like the core list, and then you have like a couple other like side list ones that he does. Like I don't know, like during his downtime, and, like, <laughs> and like it 100% like it one hundred percent works out.
4: He's like um our uh, what's her name from from um Game of Thrones uh Cersei. No, 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 the girl. Oh my god! Oh Arya. Arya. Yeah, he's like oh like, he, he's repeating yeah. the names. At, at oh night. yeah.
3: It was just really weird that because, yeah, there's a, there's like a, there's like a dead baby subplot. Uh, there is, there's an extra person in the core group that he has to get, uh, that he has to get, a uh, uh, revenge on. But then in the middle of it, he's like, Hey, I feel real bad for you. So I'm not going to get revenge on him anymore. Uh, the dude gets like the dude murders, somebody gets captured for it, escapes and then just keeps being a bad person, so he just goes back on the list again. It's like the whole thing. And then on top of that, uh at the end of it, and I'm very, very sorry for this, you guys, uh, Edmond does not end up with Mercedes. Mm. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, oh. Yeah. There's another
1: thing that in the movie.
3: Yeah. There was another love interest, and the love interest was involved in getting Cat Mondego, like arrested and and tried and all that other stuff too, so yeah, but it was, like, really funny because, you know, you know that Edmund is in jail for, like, almost 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this
4: is, like, 13, I think. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah and mm-hmm. he, okay, so then, like, I think he's 19 when he goes into jail. And then it's 17 years in jail. And then, like, a few more years after that. So he's in, like, his, like, mid-40s at this mm-hmm. point, right? Just exacting revenge on everybody who deserves it. Uh, and then he ends up with, like, the hot 20-year-old at the end of everything and but 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 with good I saw your face Derek <laughs> it's it's but it's 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 all earned so don't mm-hmm. worry it's everything is earned yeah <laughs>
0: well, yeah cause it's
1: it's interesting cuz like I was kind of like you know I'm usually like okay I don't want like a complete uh, like happy ending where he gets the girl back and like it's his son and stuff like that and I usually would have been like you know what if he didn't get Mercedes back if like his revenge kept them apart I would have liked it but man, the performance that and I'm not, I pr- I'm gonna butcher this, but that uh, Dragma Dovich, uh, it's a Polish name, I apologize, the, the woman who plays Mercedes her performance that she gives, just, it's devastating, like she's got like these tears she, like, she's like, I know it's you, and like, oh my gosh, like, like mm-hmm. you were saying, Ariel, like Jim Caviezel, like for me all the supporting characters in this just floored me, like with her, like I'm like, mm-hmm. how are people not talking about this performance because it was so good. I know that she's also mm-hmm. in um, the worst person in the world and she's getting, I think, the, some attention for that. But I'm like, how did she not become bigger, you know? Like, yeah. in, you know, yeah. and then across the board, everybody in this uh-huh. is so good.
4: And then also, just a little side note, because my mom, like, always, like, who is this person? And looks him up while she's watching a movie. Apparently, she's married to Patrick Wilson, too, because, of course, she <laughs> okay. has to check Maddie. out. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. wow. He's
1: the guy who took me soaring over California? Gee, he, Bro, what?
4: <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you can't drop oh, that. Oh, no, no.
1: Of... I, was, I got it because he was Patrick Warburton. Patrick so... Wilson. Oh, Patrick yeah. Warburton. yeah, okay. No, okay. Patrick Wilson. The okay. Night Owl. Sorry.
2: yeah, The yeah, night, owl. night Owl. Ed the Ed, owl. Lorraine. Ed Warren. Ed, Ed, oh, Ed, my God. God. did not like him yeah. in that one
4: but movie. Yeah. But oh, no, I
2: mean. Oh, my God. I that, love him. He's daddy. That whole
4: scene. That whole scene is so like great. I think that has to be like one of the best scenes of this movie from him entering the carriage to him leaving the carriage, essentially. Because, like, between her performance, his performance, uh, Jim Kazisel's performance, and then um, Luis Guzman's pr- and, yeah. and Jim Kazisel's performance, it's just like so like it shows like the purity of their relate uh, um, of. Um, Oh, I can't remember. but lose the Louis relationship. Gouman, yeah, their relationship and just how much of like they have this respect for each other and that like Louise Guman's character like wants what's best for him. He doesn't want to see his friend hurt anymore. You know, he wants his friend to live a good a happy life that he deserves and he's just trying to do his best. And even in that moment you get the feeling of like he is like just so sad. But he's like accepting of the this like these words from from uh, his friend because he knows that his friend's hurting in this moment. And so these these words and and the way that he leaves isn't really like he's, you know, putting him down or it, like it, it's such a great showing of, of friendship for them. And like, yeah, I, I just love that scene and how it's played out
1: funny because you know when you're like a kid and you see a movie and you're like, you kind of forget that like these people who you know from later in life are like, I was like, Oh, yeah, Guy Pierce is in this Superman's in this like, you know, Jesus is in this and I kind of like forgot yeah. all about them. The one person I will never ever forget was in this because like, anytime I'd see him in anything, I'm like, Oh, my gosh, it's Luis Guzman from the County Monte Cristo, like when he shows up in community and like, yes, build him that statue. He's incredible in this. Like I had like mm-hmm. when he, when, like I had the reaction that he had, like, I am your man forever, Luis. Like, mm-hmm. like, he's mm-hmm. so yeah. good in this. This uh, is a, uh,
3: like, this is a whole show talking about just underrated films and all that. Mm-hmm. Underrated. Like he's the most underrated person in this whole film.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He really and, is.
3: Yeah. And uh, like, uh, uh terrible wigs aside like yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. We, yeah we we get this we get this like small injection of humor that when we when we experience all of this revenge plot we need a little bit of that humor as well and to be quite honest like what I would be interested in is like what scenes that they cut with him because there there's a lot of uh, I felt like there were a lot of scenes that that might not have connected as cleanly. Where I'm like, he was probably in it, and he probably killed it, and they cut it, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. cut. Yeah, oh, we good. need to see yeah, the Luis yeah. Guzman <laughs>
2: cut. <laughs> yes, I, I I agree with that, dude. I, there, th- that was probably my biggest nitpick was I was like, dude, this movie needs to be longer. I was like, it needs to at least be three hours because I need more. <laughs> yeah yeah
4: yeah yeah, definitely and and going back to like yeah it would suffice to be a really great um netflix show because and and yeah i would agree going with the traditional way that the book is and just have it more of like a i don't want to say psychological thriller but like his his the way that he gets what he wants through like like this manipulation of the system that Through him in jail, you know, which he does like you get senses of that especially with how he uses in the movie How he uses the the police and and things like that, but it would be incredible to see that kind of story of just like This man who yeah become he doesn't know how to read or write and he is a simpleton but then being built up and learning all and gaining all of this intelligence through torment the during the time of torment for him and using that for the this revenge story it it's it leads up to being such an incredible um story and and like netflix is, has become such a incredible device to tell these types of like long-form stories that really deserve you know this much um attention so yeah like any you know netflix producers out there definitely Put this on, on your list of, you know, short list of movies or series to do. Yeah, definitely. I think we're due for a good, good, another good version. I don't know yeah. if this was like the last version that we got. I can't remember any other ones after this, but this definitely, yeah. You know, this was 2020, 2002. So yeah, you know, 20 years later.
0: Come on. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, uh, talking about the ending, and I'm curious if it ends the same way in the book, because uh, you kind of hinted that it doesn't, but I really do love, like, it is kind of that Hollywood cliche, but that final showdown between them, like, I felt, like, really worked for this kind of just, like, revenge action movie, because that is such a good sword fight. Like, I was writing a list for Watch Mojo a little bit ago, like, top ten sword fights, and that was on the list for sure, and, like, you know, I went back and rewatched the scene just to, Re- to uh, write about it I was like man this is a good fucking sword fight like it, it's got different levels and like you, do they like think they lose their swords and they get the swords back and he gets two swords and it's just kind of like the dynamic is constantly changing and you're seeing it like, from other people's perspectives and it really works for both of their characters I feel like this kind of conclusion because Guy Pierce, he can get away Mondango like he's riding off on his horse but just like he always he just can't let it go and he just kind of holds and he's like I, he can make his getaway he can survive but he has to turn back he has to be better than dantez and he has to he tosses down his gun he's like all right let's do this he's like i'm better than this guy and he you know meets his end because of that and i just love that final just like he, he that little catharsis you get where he's like all right i'm gonna give up my revenge but you still get to you still get to see this guy die because Guy Pearson this is such a shit heel. Like he he mm-hmm. plays an absolutely irredeemable person, but he Guy Pearson, is just so good at it, he's just like sniveling. he's just like, Mom I am royal and he spits in his face, you're just like, fucking kill this guy, but it's Guy Pearson. you just kind of are like you're you're t- it's like Billy Zane in Titanic levels of like <laughs> evil like <laughs> So I I just really had like a fun time with that ending, and I'm curious, JPG, is is it like the end? Is this a Hollywood ending they added, or was it like kind of a more like you know uh, like the different
3: ending in the book? Okay, uh, first and foremost, you mentioned Billy Zane. Uh, please, please let me know if you guys ever do the film The Phantom.
0: Oh, oh my God. God, we're gonna yeah, do
4: it!
2: I've been wanting to do it since <laughs> I day know, one. I, I, say that. I know that it's movie. not.
4: I know it's not that movie, but Phantom's like a motherfucker. There you go. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, oh! so if you if you ever do the Phantom, please, please, please let me know. Let me be back on the show. I'll be I'll um, be
2: there, man. I'll be there, absolutely. I i love that movie growing up. <laughs>
3: uh so Derek, this is one of those times where Hollywood executives were right. Like they were yeah. right in order to add in so um they originally in this particular script they were actually gonna have the uh the film kind of map the uh the the novel more closely. Mm. Um, once Mondego finds out, he like mentally breaks. And when he gets home in order to try to like fix things, uh, he runs into Mercedes and Alberta and they're just packed up and go and leaving. Mm. <laughs> and that's what finally breaks him and just, you know, puts a gun to his mouth and that's it.
0: Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah and and yeah. like, uh,
3: and, and so when it, uh, I think one of the best parts of that end scene is is him writing back, and when he gives when he gives that line of "I could not live in a world where you were better than me," mm-hmm. that that is that is so like hardcore Hollywood. I absolutely love it. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, like there's a, like the, whoever decided that earned their paycheck for this whole mm-hmm. film.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the biggest things too is like. That shot is stunning. Like, I was really hoping, like, because like, there's such a build-up the whole movie of just kind of, like, the showdown. And for me, I thought the fight choreography was pretty solid. But I was just more impressed of just the setting, the tall grass. It was quiet. It was lonely. I mean, yeah, you know, the, the Mercedes and, and Albert and and everybody else was, like, kind of away. But, like, it was just a cool, like, showdown. Like, just the tall grass the mood, the mood even him just looking off like he's like no i gotta go back i gotta finish this like we gotta duel it out kind of thing and then just there's a shot where they're both running to each other and it's so raw and they're just running in the tall grass and it just felt very like old school samurai kind of like kurosawa like it was just such a gorgeous shot like that was my favorite part of the whole movie so i'm glad mm-hmm. you're saying that hollywood did it right because that's. Just a stunning shot. Like, that whole mm-hmm. scene is just beautiful.
4: Mm-hmm. So I have a pitch for how to, like, integrate the... for, for we're, pitch, we're already starting to pitch, you know, to Netflix and stuff like that. So, like, yeah, like so the ending being, like, it, it's that lead-up, but it'll... And, like, once he does find out and, like, instead of putting a gun to his head, you know, he goes in, in search of the... Count Monte Cristo and finds them In a very, in a, an equally Um, c- uh, you know Cinematic area and stuff like that And then going from like The Count ha- doesn't kill up until This point, he is the only exception And he does kill him and he have this good Really good sword fight and then that is the only You know, kill that That, you know, Dantes Ever does and stuff So yeah, I, I like it
1: well, let me... So, speaking of, like, how great this was, like, a great sword fight finale and how there is kind of all this cool buckling elements, and it does really feel like a throwback to, like, kind of, like, the Errol Flynn, like, you know, sword fighting movies that came out between, like, the 30s and 50s, um, and movies that really don't get made anymore, but for whatever <laughs> reason, in, like, this two-year period, they, like, <laughs> made this, and they made the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, which are, like, the last time they really, like, made like these big swashbuckling movies and i'm like so what was what was in the water in 2002 and 2003 that they just went back to this like old it was like you know how indiana jones threw back to the old adventure serials these was these movies were like throwbacks to the old like swashbuckling serials you know and i kind of i really love it you know yeah especially
4: um henry cavill's like entrance into that fight like is such a like swatch buckling you know moment with yeah, him how he breaks through,
3: the sword, which, which
4: is like, is like that's that impossible be, yeah yeah dope. yeah exactly yeah but that's so like yeah like you said out of swatch buckling. and I don't know it's it I mean that might have contributed to it being forced it might have gotten foreshadowed by by pirates in that in that way also if if pirates came about the same time and then that's more of the um thing that we attribute to like oh swashbuckling coming back but i don't know i think it just comes down to like it's such a uh enjoyable and like you get caught up into that type of fighting just like naturally because it's such a fast-paced you know way of fighting swords are so much like sword fighting is so much more of like an eloquence to like you know a gunfight and things like that and because it's so up up close and personal and you have all these like moments of like it could go either way you know because like they're it's sword for sword you know and it's not really like who has the better gun or who is the better aim it's like it sword fighting it comes with a higher amount of skill and it it just like captivates in my opinion a bit more
3: from like 1995 to just about like 2004, if if there had if it if there was a sword in it and at least one A-list actor, it was just they were all just bangers, right? Like they're <laughs> all just like uh, uh, the. I think it's the year before this that The Mask of Zorro gets released.
2: Yeah. Oh, oh that's God. the other that's one. That one too. That's yeah. the
4: other one that is like so. Like, oh, this is like was inspired the movie the masses or like this was inspired by by count of monte cristo because like the whole antonio bandera's character essentially is the count of monte cristo becomes the count of monte cristo yeah
3: if there is a scene where it's some dirty freaking guy who gets to learn high society life if you have that scene in a film and you reverse my fair lady me like i will always (laughs) love films like i will always love that film yeah,
1: I mean, mm-hmm. Chris Nolan pulled that shit off in a Batman movie for God's sake. He's like, he's like, okay, cool. We need to train Batman. I've got Liam Neeson. Let's just have him sword fight Christian Bale to teach him to be Batman. Even though they don't use sword, but okay, cool. Like it was still cool. Like mind just surrounded. Christ. Like I was,
3: I was down.
4: You are. He hey, did Batman was
2: inspired by Zorro. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
4: oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm.
3: It just it's come. It's all coming full circle, everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> Everything's connected.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean there is a reason that like you know, the Count of Monte Cristo as a book is assigned in, in, in high school literature, you know, literature class because it, it is a classic. It is a classic story. It definitely like captures the you know, the basic out, out um, you know, outline of a hero's journey. I mean, it is like, yeah, it is a staple to to literature that you know came after it.
3: Yeah. Does does anyone know what other films came out around this time? Because this is what two thousand two. Yeah. Uh... Well, I know like Pirates was was
1: relative, like because Pirates was um about it was the next year so,
3: two
1: thousand
2: three.
3: Uh... Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh man, you guys are gonna hate this. Okay. Uh, okay. Spider Man. Uh huh. <laughs> the first Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Okay. Uh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. The yeah. two towers mm-hmm. came out this year.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah, Attack of the Clones. Oh my
2: God! My Catch favorite me if you watch button.
3: Oh, <laughs> underrated <laughs> Christmas movie. Catch me if you can. I roll up. Oh, another. We're uh, uh, another... we gonna have this. We're gonna have this argument. Okay. Uh, another great
4: sword sword movie, but the Eastern version hero came out.
3: Oh, mm. all right. Oh, A Walk to Remember. You know what? No, that that wins it. That wins the whole. 2002.
2: <laughs> Well, also, um, around that era, there was another big revenge film. And it's one of my favorites. I count it. It is two volumes, but I count them as one movie. Okay. There is. Ah, okay.
3: Wow. All
1: right. It's it's a good year in movies, like, honestly. Yeah, I'm looking
4: at it. Uh Uh-huh. Gangs really in New York, which
1: is another like one of my favorite Scorsese movies. I know nobody talks about it, but I love Gangs in New York. Road to Perdition
3: came out that year. Blade 2 came out that year.
2: Great one. Yep.
4: Chicago.
3: Oh, uh, Chicago. Yeah. Nice, yeah. Man, this was this is a weirdly good. Okay, you know what? It, it at number 39 on, on IMDb's list. My big fat Greek wedding. Uh yeah. if you guys if you guys ever yeah. do that film, let me know. Like no, that one's
4: sounds... <laughs> I think that one's, like, very below.
3: Oh, yeah, that one's just a banger (laughs) in the first place? Okay, that makes me feel better. Okay. (laughs)
2: Uh, I wanted to ask you guys, uh, I kind of already threw one out there, but I do have one that I I really fell in love with that came out a couple years ago, but what's your guys' favorite revenge film?
3: Mm. Oh, God, besides Count of Money Creek, so that is Yeah, besides it, yeah. (laughs) Oh, God, favorite revenge film. so
1: hard.
4: You always put me on the spot. I, I say this every time.
3: <laughs> what do you got? Well, here? Uh, I'm uh, 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 I'm trying to get. I'm trying to. Well, okay. Does no, because that wouldn't technically count as revenge. It's revenge for like one person in the group. Um, I love Ocean's Eleven.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, like
3: yeah. both of them. Harry yeah, Benedict's I... Casino. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. Okay. Um, Ooh. Uh, I'm looking does... at the
4: IMDb um, list, but one that did pop up that, that's is really good is V for Vendetta.
3: Ooh, yeah. that's, that's, a good a good one. One. that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Does Does John Wick count? Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. That, because yeah. now I just want I, I just want the Count of Monte Cristo with Keanu Reeves and guns. Like that's that's what I want <laughs> now at this point. <laughs>
2: I'm gonna teach was... you economics, math, yeah. language. <laughs> And guns. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> I,
0: don't, I
1: don't know how well it's aged, but I loved Taken when it came out. Like, I know there's been, like, that's kicked off a whole very tired genre now of, like, old man revenge movies. But, like, Taken is, Taken is <gasps> solid, you know? Like, that was, like, what gave us old man Liam Neeson kicking ass. So so Wait. I definitely I need to rewatch that. Yeah. But Taken is cool. Well, Taken's a good revenge movie.
4: A callback to a movie that we have done, The Prestige.
1: Is oh, yeah. yeah, that's a
3: good choice. Yeah, a that's good a good one. choice, yeah. That's, yeah that, best that best
4: reveal of, of, a, of a revenge, yeah.
3: I'll give it to you, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think, okay. Oh my gosh, Derek, what was the last one you just mentioned? Um, uh, take- taken, taken, okay. <laughs> There's a real, I'm sorry to take this tangentially, but also it's a podcast. Uh, but <laughs> so taken, the first one incredible film. Right, mm-hmm. just just so good, so so good. The um, my friends and I even will say whenever like something gets really crazy, like we'll all say good luck. Like <laughs> in that one yeah, moment, I use yeah. that gift so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, that being said, Taken Two was probably the biggest film letdown I've ever had in my life. Uh, mostly because I've never seen the Avatar: The Last Airbender film.
2: <laughs> oh don't worry about it.
3: <laughs> so, take it to it like it yeah. ta- it takes you through I think like I think it's Turkey or Istanbul or something mm. like that. Mm. Uh and um at the end of it it's like this ridiculous jump cut like break cut last fight between Liam Neeson and this very overweight Turkish dude in like a bathhouse and he's in a full tracksuit and just and and just giving Liam Neeson the business, that. and and that scene like it like haunts me. It still haunts me to this day. That like Liam Neeson, how did you do all of that stuff in the first Taken, and then like a year later, you get you almost get beaten by a Turkish dude in a bathhouse, full tracksuit.
1: Yeah, no, Taken yeah. Two is is awful. Like it is. I I remember like being all in and like. I was at college when it came out, and, like, I, everybody was like, oh, my God, this new the Neeson movie, it's, it's incredible, you know? And then, like, Taken 2 comes out a year later, and everyone's like, what is this? And, yeah, like, I, mean, I was like, is... no way I'm going to watch Taken 3
3: after this. <laughs> yeah,
4: no. yeah, yeah, um, yeah, sp- sadly, Spider-Man 3 was my, my like fall from oh. grace mo- movie. <laughs> I love Spider-Man.
0: That's oh, a good revenge. revenge that's a
1: good revenge movie right there. <laughs> oh, he puts yeah. dirt in his eye. No,
4: no, no, no. Stop. <laughs> I, I, I really,
1: really like Spider-Man Three. I love Spider-Man 3. It's love perfect man Three. But it's I think fun. it's because
4: it's- it it's because of that. Like I rewatched it um, for for you know the lead up to to um, No Way Home, but and it I but it's just that memory. JPG was saying is like. It is. It's just that, like, you're going in, going in with an expectation, and and just being so disappointed. And that's my movie. Sadly, I mean, it doesn't. Con- and, you know, it's just that's the movie. That, you
1: you got to rewatch it. You got to rewatch it. Sometime I yeah. I did.
4: I did rewatch it. Oh, you I did I did rewatch it like a yeah, like All a right. month or two, a
1: couple of months ago. Yeah. So i I'm still on the. I'm still on the Spider-Man Three is great train. So.
3: I think I'm the only Okay, so if we're talking about Spider-Mans Spider-Man 2 and uh, Alfred Molina Mm
0: -hmm.
3: In that film is just Just incredible, right? Oh no,
4: yeah we, We
3: shouldn't be allowed to write Villains like okay, I have three. I have three villains, and they're all Marvel villains, just because I've been on the uh, on this uh, this Netflix Marvel watch through. Okay, so number one, like Alfred Molina's Doc Ock. Like you should not be written that good, right? Mm-hmm. Number two is Kingpin. Yep. And then number yep. three is uh, is uh, Killmonger. No, not Killmonger. I'm sorry. Mm. Uh, Killgrave, uh, the Purple Man. Oh, in, grave. yeah. In, yeah in Jessica oh, Jones. wow. Oh, yeah. 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 Purple Man yeah. is yeah. the best. Oh my I god. I never yeah. ever. Ever wanted to be afraid of, uh what's Matt Smith? right no, 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 not no David, David No, David, David Tennant. Because Matt, Matt Smith is the one.
0: Oh my, yeah, God. Yeah. Chris,
3: my boy. Just yeah, had like three her, nerd Bennett. tangents, right? That yeah, I'm so yeah. sorry, guys. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never wanted to be afraid of David Tennant, and now I am. Mm-hmm. Like, if I ever met him in real life, I would probably run away.
0: <laughs> <You know? laughs> no. No. I never
1: I don't like Doctor Who, so I don't I only know him as that creepy Jessica Jones mind rapist and also the horrible snake man from Harry Potter. That's
3: all. Uh, I know. Oh no, he's no. so sweet and so, Doctor Who, he's oh, the yeah. sweet. He's he's so, so sweet and him. smart. Yeah. Oh, God.
4: He's crew's McDuck. He, oh, he is screwed. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which, DuckTales. yes, it's beautiful. Which,
3: if you have duck. not seen Ducktales, I mm-hmm. will argue it is one of the best cartoons in the last five years.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's okay. definitely Gravity Falls and Ducktales are up there. I mean, yeah,
3: I oh god, you're gonna be real mad at me. i I still haven't seen Gravity Falls.
4: It's okay. It's okay. It, you'll no, see I it. I <laughs> yeah. like, One of your favorite favorite shows. Yeah, anyway. but
3: Ducktales, I highly recommend Ducktales. That's mm-hmm. another great one. Mm-hmm.
4: Such a perfect... yeah. I I could go on and talk about DuckTales all day long, but yeah, go
3: (laughs) ahead. Yeah, We should probably get back to Count of Montecritus. Yeah,
0: yeah,
3: yeah. (laughs) I
2: I, I was going to throw it out there just as a... I was contemplating this as an episode, but uh, I I feel like maybe it's getting some traction every now and again, but it it still seems kind of under the radar every now and again. Uh, It's one of my recent favorite revenge movies. It's I Saw the Devil. If you want a revenge movie,
4: I've heard of. I haven't seen it, but I heard the story, and like even then, like even knowing the story, I'm like that's I need to watch that movie. It's
2: it's an amazing like uh, South Korean like thriller revenge movie, borderline horror film. Like it's like it just takes revenge like to the max. Like it's like the 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 villain deserves it, but you're just like, damn, dude. Okay, like. All right, you got to slow down. Maybe, and he's yeah, like, nope. maybe chill out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so powerful and emotional, and it's just like, like it. It kind of also is kind of cathartic because sometimes you just want that revenge where you just want to be like mean and like sadistic and like that's essentially the protagonist. Like he just takes it to another level, and it just it, it's emotional and powerful and just brutal. Like that. That it's. But every time I think of revenge movies, like I think about that one right away. It's so good. And I don't know, maybe it might be a future episode, but I, I listeners out there, I definitely recommend it. If you want a really good, powerful revenge movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It is. Like you said, it is gaining traction, but I still think that it's not at the foreground of, of everybody's mind. It is on mm-hmm. lists. I could tell you that much, but, but it's definitely not on the foreground of like, because us as a, you know, as a U.S. society, we're just barely like getting to know like the awesome things that come out of South Korea, you know, from like, or from Squid Game to, you know, Bong Joo Ho's movies and stuff like that. But, but yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: Well, kind of like shifting, sh- sh- taking that and shifting a little bit back towards kind of Monte Cristo, like, well, I like how you're talking about like, you know, the extreme lengths he goes to and like the ultimate revenge to get these guys. And I like how, like, you know just that there's that moment where he's like um louis guzman's like why do you need to go through all this like i could just i could just kill these guys in a weekend you know it'd be easy you know and then but he's like no i want them to suffer like i've suffered and you're just kind of like yeah man just just like you know these guys suck and i get it you want to draw out but then you know like we're talking there's that whole scene where he's like he's like yeah just like you're super rich There's, like, this beautiful woman who's in love with you. Like, just take the money and run, dude. Just, like, you know, shoot these guys in the back of the head or something. You'll get away with it. Like, just get out, you know? He doesn't need,
4: like, because that's the carriage scene, too. It's, like, he doesn't need to, like, even kill them anymore. Like, they're Mm -hmm. already, like, at that point, like, destitute...
1: All of He's them are hap-
0: just sad
4: yeah. sex. Yeah. Yeah. Like,
1: all of just point, stuck. Yeah, like yeah. before if he even shows up. Their lives are pretty like, shitty.
4: Yeah. Like they were already destroying each other. Like he already like put the seeds in. Like he just needed to leave them. He could have just left them to grow and like left. And like not even like or or even staying there. You know, he could have just stood there, you know, because they were not going they were already like In their downfall you know he didn't have to do anything more yeah but but yeah it is that point of like of having that like he's his mind's already set and it's it's just like that that blindness that that revenge creates and like that's why it's such but and it revenge is such an understandable thing for everybody i think i think everybody in uh, maybe there's a a good few but i know that a lot <laughs> almost everybody has had that want Of Revenge or has done things petty things for revenge and and it it definitely makes it as being a very Relatable trope and I think that's why these revenge stories are so captivating because it's like takes one of those inner like feelings that you like want to like express out and it plays it out for you know before you and it's like you get sucked in in that way because it's like this guy is doing what Something that, like, I've always wanted to do to the people that have, like, done me wrong, you know? So, yeah.
1: Dark side. I've played D&D with her.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh- <laughs> well, one question I was going to ask, uh, JBG, about, like, the kind of structure of the mo- of the book, is it like the movie where it's, like, the first half is kind of like this prison escape thing, and then the second half is, you know, this revenge story. Is it kind of, like, split like that, or is, like, one side more weighted than the other?
3: I would say that the time jump is a little bit uh, uh, less inconsistent in the books, right? Because it's very much, okay, this is what's happening. Um, You get in the jail pretty, like... You get in jail pretty quickly, and then you also get out of jail pretty quickly, but there is, like, a gigantic amount of time that, that lapses, right? Uh, And it's more so that, like, if... Let's say the book is, like, a thousand pages, right? Mm. I would say that, like, from page 200, like, onward, we're, we're, like, deep in revenge at this point. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. all all the... Yeah, everything's enacting. You see that these people who wronged him were... are kind of separated all from each other, but then are also just, like, weirdly entangled in each other as well. Uh, uh, Gosh... There's an extra person in the core group. Uh I, I'd mentioned that before. Uh Danglars, who owns the uh shipping owns, company, like the ship company. The shipping, the shipping company. company, yeah. Um there's like a plot where like he like he's like married and then his wife dies and then he remarries this like super rich widow, so now he's even more rich and he like he's doing the best out of everyone. Uh and then that widow bangs uh the chief prosecutor, mm-hmm. Vilfor. Mm-hmm. Uh and they were doing it for years and then there was like a secret baby from that. Uh what else? <laughs> Bondego, uh after he betrays his friend also goes to uh I think it's uh it's like somewhere in the Middle East or something like that and he betrays like a sultan? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so then so then that's like another thing where I was like dude you just like to make friends and screw them over at all uh-huh. points right <laughs> yeah and, and so that comes back and bites him in the ass and it's yeah it, but it's very much it's it's very much okay well Carmine Cristo gets in this way and then he like makes two friends and then makes another friend and that's how it gets to the person he's getting revenge on. Yeah. And then along the way he's like, "Wait, no, you suck too, so I'm getting revenge <laughs> on you." And, um it, there there is a moment though. There 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 are moments in the book where there's very much like a like a religious slant to this film, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm um and it's uh, you know with the canemon chrysos as as the novel it's not just a revenge tale but it's 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 a morality tale as well mm-hmm. um because he actually does kind of quit on the whole revenge thing
0: mm-hmm. when
3: somebody innocent dies
0: mm-hmm.
2: from
3: from like all of his machinations and stuff so mm-hmm. i thought that was very interesting uh and and uh there are like all these other really cool characters that i wish i would have seen um, but I also understand why they cut all of these characters as well. Like uh Do you remember the 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 guy who used to own the shipping business that was very very he was very kind to Edmond yeah. and Yeah, mm-hmm. okay that dude has a bigger role in it. Yeah. And his grandson and so you meet his granddaughter in the film. hmm She has a bigger role with how she gets married, and then he has a grandson who's a super good dude and 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 his plot line is really really great throughout and because of the Count of Monte Cristo's like um sort of like scheming it actually screws him over oh, no. and so he like he actually like he actually like commits to like making sure that his life is better now too so that was that's a re- like that's the one where i was like i really wanted to see it on film but i understand why they didn't do it
1: mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. netflix
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Well, well, guys. Any final thoughts on 2002's Count of Monte Cristo before we wrap things up here? and we touched on a lot already.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a hit. Uh, you know, a a forgotten gem for the most part of a very like iconic classic story and you know, while it does take liberties, the liberties that it does take, like, overall, like, they make it make sense, they make make this story that, like, you know, that's was so gigantic, like, flow incredible, and kind of, like, it has some kind of inconsistencies that might have, like, it might have been better the original way, but, but overall it just plays out in such a incredible way, and, like, not just with the story, but also the characters are just just so well-developed, and you know, even with the limited time that, they, that they're given, like could, one more kudos to, of acting, kudos to Henry Cavill for, like, just deeply showing, like, how much of disappointment he has when, like, you know, and how much like, he does truly love his father, and you don't, he doesn't, like, express that with words, he purely expresses that with you know emotion on his face like in the in the party and then like other moments of like you know and things like that and and yeah it's just definitely you totally understand why these actors like in other in their future careers like became such you know iconic actors and and have like you know some so much recognition and
1: and i will say too that like we were kind of touching on earlier about how, like, this was such a solid year in film, and there's so many, like, thought pieces and, like, books and whole podcasts devoted to 1999 being, like, the greatest film year ever. But, like, maybe let's consider 2002 for a second, because along with this one and all the other ones you named, JPG, I just want to throw out a couple more movies because I brought up the letterbox tier mm-hmm. that I really enjoy that came out this year. You also got 28 Days Later, Lila oh, Lord, Spirit, yes. Minority Report. The Born Identity, The Pianist, Punch Drunk Love, um, and two movies that we've actually covered on this podcast, um, Death to Smoochie and Rules of Attraction. So, And one oh. movie that I've been speaking about covering in the future that I think is a very underrated movie is Reign of Fire, which is a post-apocalyptic movie where the apocalypse is dragons.
3: So, oh, like... 2002, oh, yeah, That's Christian. That's, that's, that that's <laughs> Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey. And Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's a helicopter pilot who owns an axe? Just the yeah. best. Right. <laughs> that movie I... is so great and ridiculous. Yeah. I love it.
0: <laughs>
4: oh my goodness. Yeah, like with that movie. Like I originally thought that that it was like a medieval like dragon movie, but then like I haven't seen it. Still, but like I do know, We're gonna have like to cover I've seen, at some point. I've seen like like clips of like Matthew McConey like looking very modern. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> kind of It's <thing. laughs> So, so yeah, that we'll. I mean, I'll see how it is, but it is definitely a, an interesting movie. <laughs>
0: kind of yeah, thing. I
4: I'll,
1: know I'll that. save my thoughts on that one for when yeah. we do the episode because yeah. it is yeah. ridiculous in the best possible way. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I have some thoughts on it too, so I'll, I'll save yeah. it. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, everybody, thank you for listening and thank you uh, for coming on, JPG. Uh, J- I know you kind of touched on it at the beginning of the show, but where can people find you?
3: So you can find me on all social media at SpeakerJPG. Um, you can also, I have like a lot of projects, so I usually just point everybody to my Linktree. So it's Linktree slash SpeakerJPG and uh and yeah it's, so it's gonna be in the this bio or description, oh i appreciate but, that thank you so yeah. much yeah and you guys had mentioned D D too, and like tabletop rpgs that's kind of like my bread and butter right now i'm uh um i've definitely stepped a little bit away from podcasting and now i'm gonna i'm more in like a uh like tabletop rpg live streams and things like that so uh i'm hoping to build my audience through there now as well
1: awesome awesome And yeah, we have been the Undercast Company, so if you guys like this podcast, you know, go ahead and whatever, however you're listening to it, give us a follow. You know, Spotify now lets you rate things, so give us five stars if you can on Spotify and Apple if you haven't yet. Um, We do a couple other things. We do a podcast on Marvel movies whenever they come out called Infinity Stones and Dragon Bones, and Ariel also does a monthly podcast where she introduces people to movies that they should have seen by this point, or vice versa. Sometimes people introduce Ariel to those uh, called You've Never Seen with question mark, exclamation point. But yeah, we've done, we, you know, do a bunch of different stuff. So check us out at Undercast Company on all the socials. Um, all the links will be below for us as well as JPG. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening, and I'll see you in another live.
4: Thanks for being amazing, life.
2: Take it easy, everybody.